All right, Forge family. Uh, thank you for coming to the celebration of Easter. When we were together for our time of uh, um, Palm Sunday, you recall that, that mob scene that came along with Jesus down the road through, through uh, the, from the Mount of Olives down toward the water course of the Kidron. And um, they stripped off their robes and laid them in the, in the street and they cut branches and waved them and they shouted, Hosanna in the highest. As Jesus rode the colt of a donkey uh, down the hill and then up toward the walls of the city. The exultant mob that was crying out uh, for God to, to save and to heal, uh, they were met with a, um, a mob that rushed out of the city to find out why, all, what's all the shouting, what's happening. And that diluted the unanimous praise of God. And at that point, there were a couple of, of religious elite who commanded Jesus to stop the crowd from announcing him as son of David because that was a way of announcing there's a new king coming into the, coming into the city. And Jesus' response was, if these people would be silenced, the very rocks would shout out praise. So creation had been called to alert, to be ready to respond to its creator. Even the inorganic rocks would voice praise to him. Now hold that in your mind. Today as we kind of advance through part of the passion of Christ. So let's pray. Repeat after me, please. Lord of resurrection. Lord of resurrection. We gather today to give mighty thanks and praise to you. You who suffered and died. You who rose again. And you who reign at the right hand of the Father. This day is precious to us who believe in you. This day holds his promises. That where you are, Lord, someday we will be with you. You said, Lord Jesus, we are to take up our own cross and follow you. That means we, today, lay down our own rights and our will and choose your ways and your will. In Jesus' name. Now, most of you have been exposed to the teaching of where Jesus shed his blood on the way to the cross, on the way to the grave. That began in the Garden of Gethsemane. You recall that Thursday night was the celebration of Passover with a roasted lamb in an upper room. And after the meal, Jesus picked up the flat bread and broke it and began to pass it out and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he picked up a cup of watered wine and uh, said, this is the new covenant in my blood. And he passed that to them for all of them to drink of it. And when they'd finished, he rose and he led them out from that upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane. This was a garden that was, it was kind of, there were some mixed tombs, um, large marble, large stone 
edifices, and but they were surrounded by these gardens. And it was into that spot on the lower slopes of the Mount of Olives that Jesus took his disciples to pray. And uh, he said, I'm going to separate myself. I'm going to go over here and pray. You stay here and pray too. Well, they came back three times, and three times they were all asleep. <clears throat> now, at this time, Jesus is overwhelmed with anguished stress. He's pleading in prayer with God the Father to take this cup from me. Finally, with bloody sweats dripping off of him, he states, nevertheless, not my will, but thine. So those drops of blood that spattered on the ground in the garden are what the doctors today call hemohydrosis. Yeah, it is a known phenomenon that comes with extreme stress. Now, laid before Jesus was the clamoring desire to avoid the suffering of dying on a cross. And as he bled, Jesus won back our willpower to resist temptation. And in so doing, his choice of the will of God knocked aside the last barrier to the redemption for the world. Next, after being betrayed, he was manhandled up into the city and into the courts of the high priest Caiaphas. The high priest's family had ownership rights and control over the temple markets where the pilgrims came to exchange their money into temple shekels, suitable to make offerings in the temple, and to uh, purchase sacrifices, doves, lambs, etc. Now Jesus had overturned the money changers' tables just days before on, on Palm Sunday, and Caiaphas was still steamed at Jesus. Uh, but in this case, he summoned the elders, the Sanhedrin, to this kangaroo court setting in his own dwelling. And when Jesus was finally asked if he was Messiah, the Son of God, he answered in the affirmative and was immediately struck in the face, then beaten. His head was covered and he was shouted at, Prophesy, Christ, who struck you? There, in the presence of the high priest and the Sanhedrin, Jesus began to drip blood on the stone floor, the flagstones, the flooring. He began to be so bruised that there was significant internal bleeding and bruising. There in that spurious courtroom setting, he shed blood re-established to reestablish the government of God over civil law. And from his blood flowed inner healing for emotional wounds as well. Now, Jesus was then yanked up in front of the Roman prefect, Pontius Pilate. Standing before Pilate, Jesus continued to bleed onto the stones of Pilate's courtyard, reestablishing the government of God over the power of life and death that Pilate exerted over Israel, over the Jews, over Palestine. Because he was the representative of Rome. Jesus' refusal to answer questions prompted Pilate to just send this ragged, beaten Galilean to King Herod, who had some authority, albeit by way of Rome, backing his kingship. Again, Jesus did not answer the questions, uh, but his blood dripped out on the stones in front of Herod. That blood bore witness to the illegitimacy of Herod. See, he was not a Jew. He was Edomian. He had descended from from Esau, and he had no authority to reign over the promised land. Jesus was hustled back in front of Pilate, 
who had been shouted at by the mob. Now, Pilate offered to release Barabbas, a murderer, as was his pattern on feast days. The crowd was having none of that. They rejected it totally, and they raged at, at Pilate to have Jesus crucified. Now, Pilate could find no cause to charge Jesus with, with, uh, with death. Um, but he sent Jesus to be scourged. Now, the whips that were used were multiple leather strands terminating with pieces of lead, bone, and stone. Each blow of the whips would cut flesh, bruise deeply, and were designated to leave the victim near death. The blood of Jesus poured out and spattered out on the post to which he was tied and onto the stones of that courtyard. His blood witnessed against all the blood of righteous mankind that had been shed. All the savage treatment of the innocent. Isaiah 53 verse 5 said, Who, when reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body, by whose stripes we were healed. Pilate, having washed his hands in water, dismissed Jesus' bloodied presence to be crucified. It was not yet light. So Jesus was remanded to the Roman garrison to await execution. There the soldiers sat him on a chair, draped his back with a rich robe, plated a a crown of thorns, and jammed it down on his head. In the hand of Jesus was placed a reed as a scepter. And then the soldiers spat on him and mocked him as king of the Jews. They took the reed and they struck him on the head making more blood flow from those thorns. There's commentators who would say that the blood that Jesus spilt in the Roman garrison broke the curse of poverty because thorns were what infested the ground as part of the curse and made farming laborious and unproductive and unprofitable and also resisted the dominion of mankind. Now, when the execution squad was summoned, the crown of thorns was left in place but the robe was ripped from his back, reopening all those cuts from the scourge. A cross was laid upon his shoulders, and he was marched up the Via della Rosa, bleeding as he went. Now, if you recall, Lord God Yahweh said Jerusalem was going to be where he caused his name to dwell forever. And yet Jerusalem in the past had been a great sinning city. And so here is the blood of Jesus on the pavement in the city, that God had called his own. <clears throat> he made it a little way up the Via della Rosa before he collapsed from blood loss and shock. Simon of Cyrene was pulled from the crowd and the bloody cross was laid on him to finish dragging it the rest of the 2,000 feet from the garrison to the execution site called Golgotha. The place of the skull. Jesus shed his blood on the cobblestone way, marking his journey to die for the sins of the world. Once on top of Golgotha, Jesus was thrown down on top of a cross, and his hands and feet were pierced with spikes. And then the cross was muscled up vertical and dropped into a prepared hole. Savage pain ensued, especially the cramping across his diaphragm made it extremely difficult for him to breathe. The execution ground was already marked with his blood, but there was more to come. The piercing of his hands redeemed the futility of manual labor. 
for kingdom labor is to, re- to return 30, 60, and 100-fold. Micah 5.9 prophesies that once again, the hand of Jacob, from whom Jesus descended, would be restored. Quote, your hand shall be lifted up against your adversaries and your enemies shall be cut off. The fulfillment of that will be on Christ's second coming to war and to reign. In the kingdom of God, those who minister have power to take up serpents, lay hands on the sick and see them healed. And by the laying on of hands, impart divine resources, gifts, authority, and power by Holy Spirit. The piercing of his feet speaks to the authority being restored to tread the land and lay claim to it, as spoken in Deuteronomy 11. Further, to be able to tread on the lion and the cobra, which is what Psalm 91 says. And Luke 10 has the words of Jesus, quote, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The blood from the pierced feet of Jesus opened the way for us to walk in this world with authority. Six hours after being nailed to the cross, Jesus dismissed his spirit and died. When the Romans began to hurry, hit death on the afternoon before Sabbath, they discovered that they did not need to break the bones of the legs of Jesus. That latter bit was prophesied, Psalm 18, that none of his bones would be broken. The same was required of each Passover lamb. Instead, to confirm death, a soldier took a spear and drove it up under the rib cage of Jesus, piercing the heart, and blood and water poured out. That real blood and the clear fluid that collected in the pericardial sac around Jesus' heart due to heart failure or a broken heart was proof of the real body and real blood of Jesus, not a phantasm, not some ghost as claimed by, God, by Gnostic heretics. <clears throat> With the breaking of the heart of Jesus, our joy in the Lord was restored. <clears throat> At his death, a great earthquake shook Jerusalem. Here we have all creation acting out in grief at the death of their creator. Five days before, the rocks could have cried out. Here the rocks shook and roared in their grief. Psalm 114 speaks of mountains skipping like rams and hills like lambs. Also speaks of God's power to liberate Israel. That prophecy is not yet to come, is yet to come. Isaiah 55, 12 says, You shall go forth with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. All creation groans and labors with birth pangs. Now, these are not just prophetic images, but visible evidence that the Creator is still active with creation. Blood spilt on the land from the time of Abel to the time of Christ. Witnesses of the unrighteous death of the innocent. And God heard and he answered. Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man and follower of Jesus, pled for the body of Jesus before Pilate. It was granted and he hurried to remove the body from the cross and get it into the tomb before the start of Sabbath at sunset. 
The body of Jesus was taken from the cross to the tomb, <clears throat> cut in the rock in proximity to Golgotha, quickly washed and wrapped in linen strips. The door to the tomb was sealed by a stone. Inside that tomb, Jesus' bodily fluids and, and blood would continue to leak for some time. The blood dripped in the tomb, witnesses of Jesus overcoming the grave, destroying the hold of death over mankind. <coughs> so, Dick, why all this blood teaching on Easter? What happens when you transfer a deed for property? What happens when you appear in court to, to change your name or, uh, or for other reasons? Okay. You, you need a notary stamp, an affirmation that you are who you say you are and you will do what you say you will do. Those deeds and appeals then become legal documents. The blood spilt in more than 11 places by our Lord and Savior are the deeds and the appeals. They are the fulfillment of the will of God for his only begotten son so that the blood of Jesus paid the price for sin for the whole mankind. It was the resurrection that notarized those bloody spots and the promised authority, joy, healing, and future resurrection for us. The court documents of heaven were ratified by resurrection. The bursting forth of life from the grave and the resting away of the body and soul of Jesus from the hold of Satan and death that held it. This day, we gather to remember the rising to life from the grave of Jesus, our Lord. This day, we reflect on all that was accomplished in his suffering for us. And the redemption and lifting of all who trust in him, from the slavery to sin and death, to the experience of liberty and life in the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord God, who keeps your promises, Jesus himself spoke that he would rise on the third day. We rejoice with all heaven and all creation that Jesus rose from death and the grave to be reinvested with his powers as fully God. And yet, he remains fully man. We were made in the image of God by our creator. We've been promised that we too will suffer. Some just, just as you did, Jesus. But we claim your ways and your salvation. Even as we rejoice, we're sobered. Even as we wait for your coming, the coming of your bride, we know that we are to carry our own cross that prayed out to you we lay down our deeds and appeals at the cross of Christ and take up the ratified realities of resurrection joy authority and your very presence in Jesus name amen